listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson. For many years here in Michigan, you could be fired, denied housing, or otherwise be legally discriminated against for being gay. That's because Michigan's civil rights law, the Elliott Larson Act of 1976, does not include protections against discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity. In June of last year, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in a landmark case that the Federal Civil Rights Act of 1964 does protect against discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Now, lawmakers in Michigan are once again trying to codify those protections in state law. Here to talk about those efforts is one of the lead sponsors of legislation to do just that. State Senator Jeremy Moss is a Democrat from Southfield representing Michigan's 11th Senate District. He's a lead sponsor of this legislation to expand Michigan's Elliott Larson civil rights law. Senator Moss, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks, Jake, for having me on. So as I mentioned earlier, um, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled last year that sexual orientation and gender identity are protected categories under that umbrella of sex discrimination in the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Uh, So people might assume you'd say, all right, cool, we're we're good now, right? (laughs) But you're not saying that. Why is it so important in your mind to codify these protections in state law? So the Supreme Court ruling was incredibly important because it took into account that sex discrimination also extends to sexual orientation and gender identity. Uh, And that was a conservative court ruling, no less, with Trump appointees uh, ruling uh, in support, uh, Neil Gorsuch ruling in support uh, of affirming LGBTQ rights. But there are gaps in the law. It only extends federal employment protections to the LGBTQ community. But here in Michigan, we need state employment protections. We need housing protections. We need protections in public service public services and public accommodations. Uh, And that's exactly what we're trying to do here by uh, adding sexual orientation and gender identity to the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. And I will say this, too. uh, I support that interpretation that sex extends discrimination protections to the LGBTQ community. Uh, But that interpretation is subjected to a future court that might dismiss it. Uh, And so we want to be crystal clear in the law as it exists now that sexual orientation and gender identity would be considered protected classes among the other protected classes already in the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. I want to step back just a little bit and ask for if you could share some specific examples of life in Michigan for LGBTQ people without these protections in place, especially uh, before that Supreme Court ruling of last year. Sure, and this is a good opportunity to talk about the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. Forty years ago, Democratic Rep. Daisy Elliott and Republican Rep. Mel Larson came together to create this act to state that uh, the opportunity to obtain employment and housing and equal utilization of of public accommodations and public services and educational facilities without discrimination based on a number of factors, including race, race, religion, color, national origin, age, sex, height, weight, familial status, or marital status is recognized in Michigan and declared to be a civil right. Uh, But those categories obviously don't extend to sexual orientation and gender identity. So up until that Supreme Court ruling, yes, here in Michigan, you could have been fired just simply for being gay or transgender. You could be evicted still in the state of Michigan because we did the Supreme Court ruling did not extend housing protection Mm. to the LGBTQ community. And this happens all the time. 
Uh, so the Supreme, uh, the the Michigan Civil Rights Commission investigates these claims. They also support that interpretation of sex as extending to sexual orientation and gender identity. And these these claims are real. They exist. Uh, the Civil Rights Department issued a report a few years ago. Uh, that verified and validated that the discrimination here in Michigan is real and pervasive, that other states protect against LGBTQ discrimination. And as a result, here in Michigan, we're at an economic disadvantage uh, because we don't protect vulnerable classes here in the state of Michigan. Yeah, you, you talk about that economic disadvantage. I mean, business groups uh, have been increasingly supportive of these pieces of legislation uh, for quite a while now in Michigan. Um, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on, you know, how that has influenced especially Republican politics on this issue. You do have some bipartisan support uh, on these bills. Uh, and talk about the role that the business community is playing in these discussions uh, yet again in 2021, as it has for probably the last eight to 10 years. Yeah. So I, I serve on the Senate Economic Development Committee. And every year, the Small Business Association of Michigan comes and presents their annual report of where Michigan ranks uh, in certain metrics in business attraction and a good business climate here in Michigan. And they don't just look at labor statistics, and they don't just look at profitability of business. They look at the climate here in Michigan. And one of their metrics, this is from the Small Business Association, is pursuing hate crimes and pursuing cases of discrimination. And Michigan is at the bottom of that list. Uh, so we don't have a climate right now here in Michigan because we don't extend those protections to LGBTQ uh, employees, to LGBTQ workers, or even just people who support and want to be a part of a climate that extends uh, protection to their LGBTQ neighbors, friends, and family members. Uh, that is holding Michigan back because other states, about 20 other states, support these measures and, and go after discrimination. So the business community has stepped up and said, this is an economic case. We are holding Michigan back economically by not codifying and extending these protections uh, to LGBTQ Michiganders. And so our effort, to, uh, as we renew this call to extend the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act, is supported by the Detroit Chamber of Commerce, uh, the Grand Rapids Chamber of Commerce. Uh, every corner of the state uh, has, has had business leaders that have stepped up and say, we, we do this in our private policies. We, 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 we have banned LGBTQ discrimination in our corporate private policies, but it has to be extended statewide. We can't have this hodgepodge of a gay person uh, or a trans person over here can be discriminated against, but over here would be protected. We have to have a comprehensive approach to make sure that everybody in Michigan enjoys these same protections. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer. I'm in for Stephen Henderson today, and I'm speaking with State Senator Jeremy Moss, a Democrat from Southfield representing Michigan's 11th Senate District. He's the lead sponsor, one of the lead sponsors on legislation to expand the state's civil rights law to include LGBTQ protections. Um, and if you want to be part of the conversation as well, we'd love to hear from you. What are your feelings about expanding the state's civil rights law to prohibit discrimination against people based on sexual orientation and gender identity? Are you someone who's directly affected by this kind of discrimination? Uh, how has this issue affected your life? And we'd love to hear from you if you're a business owner, as we were just talking about, many people in the business community pushing for this sort of thing. How would expanding the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act affect your business? 
business and especially your ability to attract talent. And call in and tell us if you're worried about possible unintended consequences or religious freedoms if the law is expanded to include sexual orientation and gender identity. The number on the phones is 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. You can also leave your comments and questions on Twitter using the hashtag Detroit Today. So, Senator Moss, uh, we have been, um, you know, talking about this issue for as long as I can remember covering state uh, government. Um, and there are multiple threads r- right now that are happening. You've got bills in the, the House and the Senate. Uh, we also have the uh, Equality Act in Washington, D.C., which I'd like to talk a little bit about in a, in a bit. Uh, but there's also the Fair and Equal Michigan petition initiative that's waiting to be certified by the State Bureau of Elections. Talk about these parallel efforts and why do you think maybe that helps chances of getting this actually across the finish line this time? Yeah, and I talk about it because this is the year that I think there is going to be a reckoning on this, that people really will have to make a decision of where they stand uh, in terms of LGBTQ uh, policy and LGBTQ uh, equal rights. Uh, so let's, uh, let's take on the ballot proposal. Because we've introduced this time and time again in the legislature uh, and have not seen movement on it, people themselves have stepped up, and they, they have the ability to create law in the state of Michigan by submitting petitions to the legislature. And so that's, that's been done uh, by this Fair and Equal Michigan ballot proposal. Uh, so it can come to the – they collected uh, almost a half a million uh, petition signatures of those in the state of Michigan who support this. They've submitted them to the Secretary of State for approval. Uh, and once those petitions are certified, it comes to the legislature. And the legislature can just take an up or down vote on it right there. We can put that into law based on these petitions in that moment. Or the legislature can kick it to the public uh, for a public vote. And we all know that public support of LGBTQ rights uh, is overwhelmingly positive. It's actually far and above exceeding where the legislature is. So if this were to go to the ballot, it would pass. Uh, so I'm trying to make the case legislator by legislator. You know, we could, we could avoid a, a, a political campaign on these issues if we just support and uh, codify and put into law those petition signatures that will, will definitely be coming before us this year. Um, I've also introduced the legislation uh, as, as another opportunity, a bill that I'm introducing, uh, along with State Representative Lori Pahutsky in the House, uh, to achieve the same goals. And so there, there's going to be a final decision on this coming very soon. We've been pushing forward on this effort for many, many, many years. Uh, but we're going to come to a, a reckoning on this this year. Uh, and so uh, that has prompted legislators from across the aisle uh, to stand up and say, you know what, this is something that, that needs to be addressed, needs to be taken care of, and, and we're a part of this effort, too. So for the very first time, uh, we have Republican co-sponsors in both the House and Senate mm-hmm. of, our, of our legislation. Yeah, and, and the, the, the ballot initiative, to me, the, the first thing that I think of, though, is I'm wondering if you're concerned if we might see an adopt and amend process yet again. And now, for people who are not familiar with that, uh, the idea that the legislature could uh, take up the initiative uh, legislatively, pass it before it gets to the ballot box, and then essentially gut it. Um, what, are your, uh, what are your feelings about the prospects of something like that happening? 
Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I know I've been in the legislature for six-plus years, and I've seen every gimmick and every game and every gag that uh, Republican leaders have played uh, in Lansing. And certainly uh, they could manipulate this ballot proposal to gut it. Uh, and that is something that I'm certainly concerned about. Uh, but if they send it to, to voters, I think voters will overwhelmingly support this. Um, but we're also trying to grow in our re- Republican support uh, for this as well, just to pass the legislation and be done with this issue. And we talk about this year after year after year. The discrimination doesn't go away. So the problem is still there. So the solutions have been brought forward. Uh, and we could just solve this problem and be done with it and move on to the next issue uh, that's before the legislature. Uh, but as long as they drag this out, uh, public support for these measures is growing and growing and growing. Let's go to Susan in Birmingham. Susan, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, good morning. Good morning. What do you like to say? I am a business owner, and while I was listening to it um, on my way in, I was thinking to call a fellow shop owner and say, hey, you know, how can we champion this? You know, what what Hmm. should we do? And then I thought, wait a minute, there's like people with those answers right on the line, so maybe I'll call (laughs) in and ask them to... To cover that, um, as someone that works, you know, with the public, what what can we do to champion it, you know, at our level? What would you suggest? I really appreciate that question. Uh, so the Senate bill number that we've introduced is Senate Bill 208. And in the Senate, we've enrolled the bill. We have a Republican co-sponsor, but we are looking for this to be put up for a vote. And senators can add their names to this bill up until it's up for a vote. So the more Republicans who sign on and affirm that this is something that they support, too, uh, the better prospects we have. So I would suggest contacting Senate leadership, either by phone or by email, uh, and lend your voice in support of this measure, Senate Bill 208. Uh, when the ball- if, this, if Senate Bill 208 is not taken up, there will be a ballot proposal. It's called the Fair and Equal Michigan Ballot Proposal, uh, and there will be many opportunities for people to become engaged in that uh, and really push forward uh, to ensure that, this, th- that these measures can be supported into law. So th- there will be many opportunities if that ballot proposal heats up uh, for people to get involved. Uh, but as I said, uh, and, and I don't know if Susan is one of the, the signatories, 500,000 people mm-hmm. signed on to the ballot proposal. Uh, that is pretty significant here in Michigan. So, so I, you know, I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for supporters and allies like Susan and others uh, to get involved in this measure because this is something that's widely supported here in Michigan. It's the legislature that's far behind everybody else. You know, one of the things that I think of when I hear that that number of 500,000, um, you know, if if for some reason, this does not. Uh, this isn't the year that this is codified and, and and put into state law. I'm curious if the prospect of a constitutional amendment might be something that advocates might consider going forward, considering the number of signatures that were um, uh, that that were willing to sign on to the petition initiative. Yeah, and, and you know, it really is the public support that is lifting this up uh, because the legislature has been so far behind where public support is. So. Uh, I'm in the legislative space as a legislator. I'm introducing the bill because that's my obligation uh, in in what my voters sent me uh, to to Lansing to do on their behalf. Uh, And and so I think there's going to be plenty of opportunities for the public to weigh in uh, as well, either, either by asking for the bill to be put up for a vote, in which I truly believe it would pass. I believe there are the votes right now in the state Senate. 
uh, and the State House of Representatives to pass it. Uh, but the public definitely will, will play a huge role uh, in getting this over the finish line. And I do want to talk in a, in a bit about the uh, in this and about government transparency as well, about sort of the veto power that the Republican leaders uh, in in the State House and Senate have over policy like this that, that does seem to have wide support. We will get to that. But first, I do want to take Alyssa in Hazel Park. Alyssa, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. What would you like to say? Uh- um, I'm calling, um, and I want to say hello to Senator Moss. Uh, he and I are acquainted, and he's a fantastic representative for our state. But um, I actually sit on city council in Hazel Park, and just this past Tuesday we passed on our first reading. I was a co-sponsor of our own equal rights ordinance for Hazel Park, and um, it was sponsored by my co-counsel, Luke Londo. And um, I think it's really important for more communities to step up like this, but I also find it really disappointing that we have to. And um, I want to mirror something that Senator Moss already said, that it would be great if this were addressed at a, at a statewide level versus citywide, because human rights are for all humans, and all humans should be protected under human rights. And uh, I think this is a great um, bill moving forward, and I really am I'm proud of Senator Moss and the progress this bill has made. Yeah, Alyssa, thank you so much for the call and the comments and for listening. Uh, Senator Moss, react to what Alyssa was saying there. Now, I appreciate Alyssa as uh, one of the council members in my district. I represent Hazel Park as well. And so cities have actually taken it upon themselves to enact city ordinances where we would like the state law to be. So there are about 40-plus cities, including our largest cities, Detroit, Lansing, uh, including my hometown of Southfield, uh, and several cities all throughout the state that have enacted these measures on the local level. And so, as I said, there's this hodgepodge of laws all throughout the, the state of Michigan where you can be protected in one community and vulnerable in another. Uh, and so I really give a huge congratulations to uh, Council Member Londo uh, over in Hazel Park for introducing this and Council Member Sullivan, who just called in, uh, because Hazel Park is now adding its voice to the growing amount of communities that have stepped up and have put these measures at the local level. Now it's time for the state to act uh, because everybody is, is, is due the right to work in an environment, to live in a space, and to obtain public services free from discrimination. Again, the number on the lines is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. Senator Moss, I want to talk a little bit about the resistance that we're hearing to this bill, which uh, is not surprising. I I covered a number of these introductions and uh, and how they've played out in the state legislature when I was a reporter there. And it seems like kind of deja vu in many ways. But, uh, you know, Republicans in the legislature, including Senate Majority Leader Mike Turkey say that there should be protections included to affirm and protect religious freedoms. Um, And this is something that we've heard on the federal level as well when Republican Congressman Peter Meyer posted online about why he voted against the Federal Equality Act last month. You you wrote a lengthy and I would say really definitive rebuttal against these ideas about religious freedom. Uh, Give us an abridged version of what you had to say there. Thanks. I I appreciate that because This is one of the things that's brought up time and time again. How do we protect religious rights and LGBTQ rights uh, at the same time? And I kind of reject the premise of that question uh, because I don't believe that you can either be religious or LGBTQ. I consider myself religious and LGBTQ. 
Uh, and it, it, we already have religious protections in this country. Uh, but we also recognize, and the Supreme Court recognized 150 years ago, that adherents of a religion are required to follow the law. And so one of the things that made it up to the Supreme Court was dealing with a cake baker. Uh, you know, that's kind of the one thing that people cite as the problem, that, you know, a cake baker could provide service to uh, an opposite-sex marriage but might not be comfortable providing a service uh, to a same-sex wedding. But the Supreme Court noted that if these services and goods are available in an open market, gay people should not be subjected to indignities to receive those services. So we're not trying to disrupt anybody's church. We're not trying to disrupt anybody's religious views. But the second you take these services, these goods, these opportunities to the open market, your religion cannot deny somebody fair access to it. And that was affirmed by the Supreme Court. And, 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 and you know, I, I, again, rejecting this kind of conflation that you can either be religious or you can be LGBTQ. You know, we had a ban here in the state of Michigan on marriage equality from 2004 to 2015. And in that period of time, there were religious leaders that would have affirmed, performed, and supported same-sex marriage. But it was the state of Michigan that said, no, we don't support your religious rights. Mm. We don't support your religious values. So I, I don't understand why government... Uh, or those who support the, the notion that government can only exist to allow religion to deny LGBTQ rights, but never to exist to allow religion to affirm LGBTQ rights. You're listening to Detroit Today. We are going to take a quick break. After that, we will continue this conversation with Senator Jeremy Moss, a Democrat from Southfield, representing Michigan's 11th State Senate District. And uh, we want to hear from you, too. Get your voice into this conversation. How are you feeling about the uh, prospects of adding protections against discrimination uh, based on sexual orientation and gender identity? Are you... Are you supportive of that? Uh, are you worried about what that might mean? Call us, 313-577-1019. Again, that's 313-577-1019. We'll be right back. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson today. I'm speaking with State Senator Jeremy Moss, a Democrat from Southfield representing Michigan's 11th Senate District. He is one of the lead sponsors of legislation to expand the state's civil rights law to include LGBTQ protections. We are talking about that effort to expand the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act here on Detroit Today. And uh, we want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on this subject? Um, And we especially want to hear from you if you are a business owner or someone that this would uh, directly affect in many ways. You know, do you support expanding the Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act? How would it affect you? How would it affect your business? Uh, And talk about sort of what this means in your life. Again, the number is 313-577-1019. And Senator Moss, before we go back to the phones, I 
want to talk to you a little bit about the Equality Act in Congress. Um, this is something that uh, has been passed by the House, uh, faces a little bit more of an uphill climb in the Senate, especially due to the filibuster there. Um, but, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are about what that would mean uh, for these conversations, what it would mean for LGBTQ Americans. And if it passes, um, is it still necessary to, to, to tackle this on a state level? Yeah, so Elliot Larson still would exist in state law, and there are certain state remedies uh, if we were to pass LGBTQ protections uh, that a person who's discriminated against could pursue with expanding Elliot Larson. Um, so so these, these acts run parallel to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Equality Act, it, it's another demonstration of, of where public support is on this issue. There, there, were, there were many members of Congress who were voted in and campaigned on the fact that among the things that they would support uh, were promoting the Equality Act. Um, and so it's not a surprise to me that the, that the U.S. Congress is taking this up. It's not a surprise to me that the U.S. House has passed it and it's before the state Senate. And it's not a surprise to me that this, this, is, this is likely to happen. This has traction. This is moving forward uh, because this is something that I think most Americans, we've been talking about Michigan in terms of public support, uh, but most Americans support these provisions. Uh, and I'm really glad that you're reaching out um, to voices within the business community because I've said time and time again, if a business person would not fire someone or not discriminate some, against someone in employment uh, due to somebody's uh, status in the LGBTQ community, if you would not evict someone, uh, due to their status in the LGBTQ community, then, then, then this bill is for you. It requires nothing more of you than that. It requires nothing more of you than to maintain that status that you, as a business owner, would not promote discrimination. And we should also note that the Equality Act in Congress, it, it, would, it would significantly expand protections against discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity, uh, and especially beyond uh, what last year's Supreme Court ruling provides. So this is on the federal level, uh, in case uh, anyone wasn't familiar with it at this point. Um, I want to go back to the phones. Uh, Dave in Farmington, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah, Dave, what would you uh, like to say? Uh, so I, I work at an employee-owned company, and this is just such a no-brainer. We, we have high-tech jobs that we're competing against other states, other in, in recruiting for colleges in the Midwest. This would help us so much that uh, who wants to discriminate? Who has time for that? That's ridiculous. Sure, and, and- I totally agree with that. <laughs> and, and and Dave is right. You know, it's it, it's 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 about recruiting talent. It's about attracting and recruiting talent here to the state of Michigan. And, and not just LGBTQ talent, because LGBTQ and their allies, their peers, would bypass Michigan uh, if we didn't protect their LGBTQ family members, if we didn't protect their LGBTQ uh, friends. Uh, this, across the board, is hurting us. Yeah, again, the number on the lines is 313-577-1019. Dave in Farmington, thanks again for listening. Thank you for calling in. Really appreciate that. And I just want to note that for um, people calling in, I, I really want to hear all views and, and, and thoughts about this. But I do want to say that um, for, for some callers who have called in uh, that we will not get to, uh, if, if you're calling in to say uh, openly homophobic or dehumanizing things, we will not 
we will not get to your call today. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, uh, Senator Moss, I do want to uh, go ahead and ask a little bit about government transparency as well, because this is another thing that you are working on. And it's in some ways, there are similarities here in the process. Uh, the fact that uh, it seems like every session, uh, you know, the, there is a bill on uh, the uh, Elliot Larson Civil Rights Act. There's also, uh, you know, calls to expand FOIA. And, and it seems like there's widespread support in the legislature for both of these things. Uh, and there is one thing that gets in the way every single time. Uh, and that is, as I noted before, sort of this veto power that the especially the Senate majority leader uh, has over the process. It seems like that's the office that it keeps coming down to so many times. Uh, and something that's interesting about that is the fact that the Senate majority leader has changed so many times uh, over the course of these discussions, but it still seems like that is the roadblock. But uh, I, first of all, I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about what you're hoping to do with government transparency, especially amid uh, a pandemic that has has really brought that issue to the fore. You're hitting on a running theme, Jake, of my <laughs> tenure in the legislature, where I'm able to get wide-reaching support of the measures that I'm introducing, <laughs> and they all go into kind of uh, this unknown territory in the Senate Majority Leader's office uh, for an unknown uh, route to passage. So Michigan is one of two states that you cannot request the documents and records of either the governor's office or the state legislature. So we are fighting to be the 49th state uh, that allows citizens better access to scrutinize the decisions of state government uh, and how those decisions impact them back home. And so my colleague from the other side of the aisle, Republican State Senator Ed McBroom, and I served in the House six years ago. Mm -hmm. We drafted a proposal to extend open records requests to the governor and the state legislature, uh, and we've gotten them out of the House when I served in the House every session, only to find them stalled in the state Senate. Well, the good news is, is that Ed McBroom and I now serve in the state Senate, uh, and we're renewing this effort because we are the least transparent, the least ethical, the least accountable state government. And that's, just not, that's not just my analysis. The Center for Public Integrity actually measures functions of governments uh, in all 50 states, and Michigan fails more metrics than any other in, in those categories. And so one of the things that is the, the, the most logical thing to do is to become the 49th state that allows its citizens to request records from the governor and the state legislature. You could do this right now in your city hall. You could get me meeting minutes, emails, documents from city hall if you have an issue and you need to know what's going on with it. You can't do it in the legislature. Uh, and so it's, it's, it, we're, we're heading into what we call Sunshine Week next week, which is an opportunity to push forward on proposals that will shine a light on the inner workings of government. Uh, and so next week we will give our effort, again, a Senate hearing, um, so at long last we can join the other states that, that really puts uh, its citizens ahead of everything else. Of course, there's a lot of controversy right now surrounding um, this issue of transparency regarding the the former head of the state's Health and Human Services Department and his separation deal that required both parties to keep confidential about the circumstances leading to his departure. And we're now finding out that the legislature has also used these same kind of separation deals with confidential confidentiality clauses and payouts included. Um, and you say this is a great example as to why we need to strengthen, again, these close to, if not the worst in the nation, transparency laws, um, uh, you know, an issue that has been there, there. There's been attempts to politicize it, but it certainly looks like that this is not a uh, one side or the other kind of deal. 
No question about it. And here in the legislature, which is controlled by uh, Republican majority, I didn't even know about these payouts. I didn't even know about these uh, uh, non-disclosure deals because I can't even FOIA the legislature as right. a sitting legislator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just goes to show you that uh, openness is good. If you're doing everything right in government, you shouldn't have anything to hide. Uh, and so that's what we're really trying to uh, subject the legislature to, more scrutiny um, to find the bad actors. But if anybody has, has a clean record and has nothing to hide, then they should be supportive of our efforts. I want to read a comment from Jean. Uh, Jean wasn't able to stay on the phone, but she says uh, she's reading How to Be an Anti-Racist uh, by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. Uh, she's realizing that not having an opinion isn't an option. Thinking you can opt out uh, makes you, I believe, complicit uh, is probably what she's saying there. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, um, uh, Senator Moss, to think about this in that way, um, you know, talking about LGBTQ rights in that same conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And one last thing I want to note, because we're fighting to expand employment protections, we're fighting to expand uh, workplace uh, and housing protections, but right now the Civil Rights Department here in the state of Michigan has also agreed that the definition of sex discrimination, which is in the law right now, does extend to the LGBTQ community. So if you have uh, a grievance, if you feel like you've been discriminated against, in housing, in employment, you can go to the Michigan Civil Rights Department right now, and they will investigate your claim. The issue is, is that that is their interpretation subject to a future interpretation. We want to put it in the law. So I don't want anybody to be misconstrued that somehow, you know, there isn't an avenue to pursue complaints against discrimination. You can go to the Civil Rights Department in the state of Michigan today if you're experiencing that. Before I have to let you go, we've got just about a minute left, but I did want to get your reaction about a bill that was introduced in the Michigan Senate uh, yesterday. Uh, It says if a high school designates a team as a women's team, quote, each pupil who competes for a position on that team or who is selected to compete on that team must be female based on biological sex. Can you uh, react to this, uh, Bill? I know you've you've already had some things to say about it. Yeah, we're coming out of a global pandemic, an, a, a global emergency. And if my Republican colleagues had as much energy fighting COVID-19 as they have fighting transgender Michiganders, we'd probably be in a much better space here in the state of Michigan. Uh, this is not the pressing priority of our time uh, to attack transgender Michiganders who just want uh, 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 an ability to live a life free of discrimination alongside everybody else. State Senator Jeremy Moss is a Democrat from Southfield, representing Michigan's 11th Senate District, lead sponsor of legislation to expand the state's civil rights law to include LGBTQ protections, uh, the bill in the Senate, that is. Uh, Senator Moss, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Detroit Today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jake. I appreciate it. All right, that's all for today. Tune in tomorrow on Detroit Today. We will look at the record number of women being nominated to President Joe Biden's campaign, as many of them are now confirmed, including former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm. That's tomorrow on Detroit Today. This is WDET-FM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. I'm Jake Neer, in for Stephen Henderson. The show is produced by me and Anna Marie Seisling. Our program director is Joan Isabella. Technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Associate producers are Claire Brennan, Elise Hurd, and Nora Ryan. 
Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. Thanks so much for tuning in.